So we are stuck in a time loop, which is so much fun. Uh, Looking at Jesus' family history as we prepare for Christmas is like getting caught in a story that repeats over and over and over again, sort of like if you give a pig a pancake or if you give a mouse a cookie. But this isn't really a story that's appropriate for children. This is Jesus' awkward and very dysfunctional family history. So it's more like, what's that movie with the, with the guy who played Ferris Bueller, um, where uh, he and his wife move to a town that's like too good to be true, um, and so his wife starts to suspect that there's a dark secret about the town that, uh, that like all the women in town are actually robots. Do you remember this movie? Stepford, Stepford Wives. Okay, so, so she figures out that every wife in town is a robot, and then she becomes a robot, and, and then at the end of the movie, the last scene is, is her welcoming a new family to town and showing them around, and you're like, well, we know how this story is going to end too, because every story seems to end the same way. New family after new family after new family, the story just keeps repeating itself over and over and over again. So the story of Abraham and Sarah starts out well, which we talked about last week, with God promising to bless all families of the earth through them. There's enough of God's generosity and inclusive welcome for everyone, everyone. But almost immediately we get stuck in this cycle of fear and blessings that are limited. So Abraham is blessed, but instead of blessing others, he puts his wife in harm's way and he puts the rest of his community in harm's way for his own benefit. And he does it again and again and again. And then a generation later, his son Isaac is blessed, but instead of blessing others, he puts his wife and the rest of the community in harm's way for his own benefit. And then Isaac's son Jacob steals a blessing from his brother. And then Jacob's sons uh, sell their youngest brother Joseph into slavery for their own benefit, which brings us to our fifth reading today in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 1. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And the mention of Tamar here is the most shocking moment so far because of patriarchy. Women in ancient genealogies are rarely mentioned, but here Tamar is the first of five women highlighted in Jesus' genealogy. So this is no accident. In preparation for Christmas, the Gospel of Matthew wants us to notice her. So, Genesis 38, Tamar is a Canaanite woman. She's a foreigner, she's an outsider, who marries Judah's oldest son. But her husband almost immediately dies, which makes Tamar a a widow, which puts her in harm's way. Now, remember, this is, we're talking like roughly 2,500 to 3,000 years ago. So, in that time and place, The earliest provision for someone like Tamar, for for widows in this community, in the Bible, is something called leveret marriage. Uh, This is where it becomes the responsibility of the next brother to marry his brother's widow. So, like most 
Disney fairy tales, facing a cursed future, what Tamar needs most is a man to save her, right? Because of patriarchy. Okay, so for the sake of time, let's not get caught up too much on this point. Uh, Just know that in that time and place, this was a way for society to protect and care for the most vulnerable, uh, the most vulnerable widows. So Tamar marries the second son, but then he dies almost immediately. And even though the story makes it clear that the two sons died because they were evil, guess who gets blamed? Tamar, who must be some kind of a, of a black widow, right? So what does Judah do now with his only son left, one son left? Does he and his family fulfill their responsibility to take care of and protect Tamar? Or do they send her off, send her away out of fear that, that his last adult son will also die? Now, the, great, the great dilemma Will those in positions of power and privilege extend God's generosity and blessing to those in need? Or for their own benefit and protection, will they put others in harm's way? Well, I mean, does a pig want a pancake? Does the guy who played Ferris Bueller want a subservient robot wife? We're stuck in the same story over and over and over again. So Tamar is sent back to her family to face shame and in the long run, a certain future of poverty, slavery, or death. This is the story of millions of women and children around the world today. It's not an old story. Who are confronted with impossible choices. Do we accept injustice? Do we accept our plot in life or do we put ourselves and our children in harm's way, hoping against hope for something better, even just slightly better? So continuing in Genesis 38, Tamar was told, your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear sheep. So she took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down along the road to Timnah. And when Judah saw her, he thought that she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. And not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her on the roadside and said, come, let me sleep with you now. And what will you give me? She said. He said, what, what pledge should I give? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and then he slept with her. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law, Tamar, is guilty of prostitution. And as a result, she is now pregnant. And so Judah said, bring her out and burn her to death. And as she was being brought out, she she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, see if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. And Jewish sages through the centuries um, will often pause here and add this little detail that Judah turned gray and then green in color. (laughs) Obviously. 
But let's not get caught up too much on Judah here, but instead on what Judah has to say about Tamar. He says that she is more righteous than I. She's righteous. So not the normal family story that you would tell over Christmas dinner, right? But it is the story that the Gospel of Matthew wants us paying attention to as we prepare for Jesus' birth. Starting with Abraham throwing his wife under the bus for his own benefit, what is passed on generation after generation is fearful self-preservation. What is passed on or what gets passed on is limited blessings unequally given. What is passed on is the, is the female appearance and identity defined primarily as dangerous. Tamar inherits that curse. And our society continues to pass it on today. And for millions of women and children around the world, this story rarely ends well. It, it never ends well. This isn't really a story with a happy ending. Only a story with a, with a slightly, slightly better ending, for Tamar at least, but a, a glimpse of hope for the future. What we see in Tamar is the first signs or the, or, or the first glimpse of hope for the future. What we see in Tamar is the first signs that this generational curse has a weakness This forever curse can be broken because Tamar is dangerous, but only to the curse and only to the self-righteous who benefit from hiding in the shadows. Tamar boldly, in this no-win situation, creatively, dramatically shines a light into the darkness and calls us back to Sarah and Abraham's original calling to be a blessing to all families, to be a blessing to all nations, to be a blessing to all people. Tamar carries forward and passes on a new pattern that will be followed by biblical prophets then and justice seekers today. She speaks truth to power. She embodies a courageous hope in the face of of uncertainty, and she's only interested in a peace that is just. And so as we prepare for for Jesus' birth, the Gospel of Matthew has us wondering, will Jesus follow the pattern or the tradition of Judah? Or will Jesus follow the prophetic tradition of Tamar? Well, Christmas is still a few weeks away, so, so we really don't know. If we're reading the story for the first time, we'll have to wait and we'll have to see. But if, if Jesus ends up spending most of his time with those who are hurting and left out, well, that's something that comes from Tamar. And if Jesus does embody God's generosity and inclusive welcome, that comes through Tamar in his family history. And if he does end up shining a light into the darkness, we can trace that light all the way back to this woman whom Matthew is highlighting here at the very beginning of his gospel. So rooted in our own families, 
rooted in our own histories. We're continuing to ask what blessings have we inherited and what new patterns might we pass on? Will we follow in the tradition of Judah or will we follow in the prophetic tradition of Tamar? Please pray with me. Jesus, thank you for all the blessings that have been passed down to us that we enjoy. We pray that you would invite us into a, a new way of, of living and being in this world that passes on something new, that passes on those blessings equally to all people. We pray that in this season of Christmas and of Advent, that we would be invited to enjoy and participate in your generosity and in your inclusive welcome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.